Hello to all my coffee lovers and educational boundary pushers. Welcome to the second episode of the Coffee Jug Co Cafe podcast series. My name is Aaron Maurer, but most of you know me as Coffee Jug, and this podcast is dedicated to challenging our thoughts of education and learning to empower ourselves as people and leaders. My goal with the podcast series is to help you share your passion, live with the power of being in the now, and lead your tribe, all while enjoying a cup of coffee. In this second episode of the Coffee Jug Cafe podcast series, I will be talking about going global in the classroom. And I have four goals in this podcast I'll be talking about. And I'll be focusing on the why of why we need to go global in the classroom. First goal or post is going to be on the power of one. Then I'll be talking about idea-generated jobs. Then the third will be real-world skills. And fourth is that it's our reality. Before I get into the content, I want to talk briefly about a few summer professional developments that I've been working on as kind of self-experiments in my pushing my coverage zone. And just this week, I had two. Um, one was about a little self-experiment in which I went out to the bookstore. Or actually, I should say I had my wife go out to the bookstore and randomly pick two magazines that she thought I would never pick up and read in my life. Um, and the goal of this was to read something completely new, different, fresh, and take a look at what I could gain from that. And so this was a very simple self-experiment. It did not require a huge risk, um, but I did find it very empowering. It gave me a lot of thought that actually my wife and I had uh, some great conversations based off the magazines. And I will share that link in the show notes at the end of this podcast. And then I just mentioned it as something that you could possibly try, um, and I really enjoyed it. And it's probably something I'm going to continue to do probably every couple weeks is just go out and buy a random magazine outside of the, the group that I, I typically do read on a monthly basis. The second one was I had my first official interview for a podcast or radio series um, through the BAM radio network, and that just happened the other day. I was quite nervous, and so once again, pushing my comforts of my comfort zone and where I feel okay at, and it actually turned out to be a wonderful experience. I can't wait for that to go live to actually hear how it all develops. And so this week, I've had two opportunities to push the limits of my comfort zone, and it's really worked out great. So I just wanted to share those two things with you. As last week, as I talked about the passion-driven classroom, I really focused on having teachers challenge themselves, challenge their thinking, and I just wanted to let you know that I'm doing the same thing and continuing to live by those words, and I hope that you are too. All right, so let's get right back to the meat of this topic, and I wanted to restate that I'm going to be exploring in this episode the why we need to go global in the classroom and to bring in a real-world audience for our students not focus so much on the how, and that will actually be done in upcoming podcasts where I'll actually explain how I create and bring in a real world and global audience to my classroom so that hopefully maybe you can begin to do the same thing. In the book, The World is Flat by Thomas Friedman, which if you have not read that book, is one that I would highly guarantee uh, that will blow your mind and give you a lot of food for thought. Uh, one of the my favorite stories that he shares in there is really just a couple lines, but it has stood out to me for three or four years since I've last read that book. 
and there's a time where Thomas Friedman and is in an opportunity where he's met Colin Powell right before he resigns, or I should say steps down from Secretary of State. And Thomas asked him when he knew that the world was flat. And Colin Powell answered with just one word, and that one word was Google. To go flat means that, at least in my mind, my working definition of a flat classroom or a flat world is that Anything is available to the students. We can connect with people, classrooms, from all over the world, any time of the day or night, and make things happen. And the world is not as big or does not appear to be as big as it once was. So we live in a society, as I get into my first topic here, where the power of one has never been stronger. When I say the power of one... I'll actually be addressing this idea in an upcoming presentation where I'm actually speaking in the passion-driven classroom. But the power of one basis idea is that all of us, you, has the power to connect and make things happen and are able to create change in the world. We don't live in a day where we have to work through the hierarchy of power and uppers in our society to make change. A regular citizen can make change and get their voice heard. I mean, think about it. Right now, I'm just a bald, tall, ugly teacher from Benton, North Iowa, broadcasting my voice and my words through my blog and my podcast, and anybody can hear it, and I can reach all over the world. And so I'm not just confined to my neighborhood or to the people that I, that I talk to in the community of, of my school. And besides me, students are more powerful than ever before. The student voice is probably the most powerful voice that's out there right now because people want to hear from the students. And if a student has something powerful to say, people are going to listen and they're going to help them. So the playing field is leveled. And the hierarchy system slowly evening out. It's flattening. And any individual can make the change if they're willing to act upon their ideas. And that's the key thing is to get beyond your fear any of us can come up with the idea. Now, the hard part of this is that you actually have to act upon the idea and make the idea happen. And that's the tricky part. And so this first point or the first goal of the podcast is that power of one. And that's just to realize that all of us have that power. We can make change. We can make things happen. And whatever it is that we feel passionate about to make that happen. And because the students have this power and we have this power as teachers... Students come to the classroom under one of two things. One, they don't understand how much impact and power that they have, or they're not using the impact and power in a positive way, and they're not creating and establishing a positive digital footprint out there on the Internet and the social media. So teachers, we have to realize, and we need to prov provide a framework and also help teach the skills needed to understand not only that they're capable of accomplishing and bringing change to the world, but also to help them create a positive digital footprint and start to talk about the ramifications of their decisions. Because unlike our days of growing up, everything they do is being recorded through social media and all the stuff that they share. So that's the first goal of why we need 
to bring a real-world audience and global connection to our classroom is they need to see on a daily basis and understand how it all works with the teacher or educator there to guide them, facilitate, and provide a framework for them to learn by. The second reason why we need that real-world audience and need to understand the global piece is because, as Thomas Friedman states in his book, and this one I think is very, very important, that there's a limit to the number of good factory jobs, but there's not a limit to the number of idea-generated jobs in the world. So think about that for a minute. I mean, really, any idea that we generate, there can be a job for. And so the, the human brain is the most amazing thing ever. So as humans, if, and I think most of us would agree that our wants and our needs are pretty infinite. They're unlimited. I mean, I could go through and list probably tons of things that I want. And there's also many things that I need in order to stay alive and function and be happy as a citizen. And if that's the case, then there has to be an infinite amount of industries or jobs to be created in order to meet that demand. And so the only factor that limits jobs is the human imagination. And if you think about that, that's pretty powerful. We can't predict what all the jobs are going to be in the future. But we know that as people continue to generate ideas and as people continue to come up with new solutions to problems, there's going to be new jobs, new markets, and new industries constantly being created. I mean, here we are. I'm recording a podcast right now on Audacity on a computer. Ten years ago, that would not have been possible. And I never would have even considered even sharing and networking with the world. Who knows? what this type of framework and structure will look like in another five years. This may seem old school that I'm sitting in front of a computer screen speaking. As we apply it to the education mode, as schools, we need to provide, once again, that real-world audience and also the global exposure so that students understand this whole idea. And they need to start to learn how to think and understand how the world is developing, changing, adapting and it kind of ties back in with number one if they have a great idea what do you do with it just to have the idea isn't enough now you have to put your fear aside and actually make that idea happen and the ones that can do that are the successful ones the third rationale or the reason why we need to go global in the classroom is that schools need to shift away from the factory mode operation. We have talked about this. It is everywhere. We've been reading articles and hearing research and all the latest talk about that. And we all agree, but yet our classrooms still look that way. It's going to take more than just doing homework to survive in this flat world. It's going to require the right kind of homework. The days of just doing enough to get by in the class, we're doing a disservice as educators if that's the kind of content and expectations that we're creating for our students. If you look at the companies that are growing like wildfire and are taking off and are going places, they're being successful not because they're making minor changes to their system or their operations or their industry, 
but they're flipping the whole system on its head. They're completely coming up with something new, different, and people are liking that, and, and it's meeting a need. It's that idea generation, that power of one. They see an idea, and they're making it happen. So really, a lot of the ideas that Seth Godin talks about are very true. The leaders of today are simply breaking away from the status quo. They're being that purple cow, and they're doing something different to stand out, something that's challenging the current way of doing things. As educators, we have to reshape our classrooms. We cannot do what we've always done. Ideas that worked when the world was quote-unquote round don't work today now that the world is flat. We may think it does, and yes, we may be able to get through the day and keep some people happy, but we're doing a disservice. Our jobs as educators are to develop the skills needed to meet the needs of the power of one, changing the way people do things, and changing the industry. Some of these skills that we should be focused on as educators are the following. One, we all know, but collaboration, but great collaboration, and how that looks like in a both a synchronous and asynchronous environment, and working with people from different cultures, and understanding how things operate. That if you send an email, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to get a reply in five minutes after sleeping on the other side of the world. Or maybe that classroom or that business, that operation doesn't have access to internet every single day. So learning about the collaboration piece, not just within a class or within a school, but through the networks all around the world. And understand how that works and how you write and the language that you use. All those things that will help them when they get out in the job market and need to apply for a job. They also need to understand the creation of ideas. And that the creation of ideas are abundant. But they're short on supply of the people who will actually execute or see those ideas through. And so this is probably the biggest thing, and I see it even working with teachers. We're great at brainstorming ideas. And we can come up with more ideas than we could possibly ever think of. But when it comes time to execution and implementation, what do we do? We go with the safe route, the one that has the least amount of fear in the back of our mind. Maybe not necessarily going after the one that has the greatest idea. The ones that go after the greatest idea and execute those are the ones that are creating ripples in the water. Another skill is simply what's happening all over right now is the idea of, of mashup or bringing things together, taking two ideas and coming up with something new. And we've seen this time and time again in history. If you look at most of the appliances or ideas or inventions, they've basically taken two ideas, bridged them together, and come up with something new. A lot of things have already been created, so you don't need to necessarily create things from scratch, but you need to be able to look at something and be able to adapt it to meet the current need of society. The next one that I think is probably one of the most important is the oral skills, being able to justify and articulate your ideas. The communication piece, I think, is severely lacking. So they have to be able to sell their ideas. They have to communicate with people, talk to them, and if you're thinking in a business mode or the real world when they get there, is be able to sell people an idea of why this product or why this idea um, is something that's worth their time. We talked about people being pulled in a million directions. It's, they're just so saturated with social media and TV and movies and music and magazines and books and newsletters and blogs. What's going to make you stand out? We have to develop these skills in the classroom so kids are ready to do that when they're in the real world. And the only way to practice that is to bring a real-world audience to them so they can start to work on those skills.
and going with the oral skills is obviously comes with the articulation of writing, uh, which maybe is a whole other topic of a podcast because the writing skills of students does not seem to be improving from year to year. But that's just as important as their oral skills. But that's a whole other debate. I think the other one, I just call it a complete package. And what I mean by complete package is that they need to be able to identify a problem and not only identify it, but create a solution and then execute the solution. And that solution should be an idea that basically redesigns the current way of doing things so it doesn't happen again. How many times in the classroom, just because maybe you think you have a large class size or you haven't really put the time into it, we tell students the problem. We give them the problem. And they just have to figure it out, but we all know in the end what that solution is going to be. There's not really any thinking going on. Recently I did a project, Choose the Matter, by Angela Myers, and the kids had to develop their own problem. And you want to talk about blowing my mind as a teacher, they couldn't do it. And then once they did, they were so in tuned and so connected to the idea of their work that the, the classroom dynamics took care of themselves. It was probably one of the most powerful moments I've ever had as an educator. It still has kind of flipped my thinking over time and time again. But let kids identify the problem. I mean, truly identify it. And then let them try to come up with a solution and then make them do the solution. Yes, that'll take longer than going through a little three-day unit out of a textbook. But the skills that will come with that are so much more powerful and beneficial Plus, it'll get them ready for the real world. The adaptability piece and basically learning how to learn is probably the next most vital skill that we need to bring into the classroom. We start talking about these skill sets and bringing in the real world audience and global in the classroom about why we need it. What we're learning now is probably not going to be relevant when they get to the job market. So teaching students to learn how to learn and how to do all these skills that I just mentioned above, the great collaboration, the creation of ideas, mashing up skills, oral skills, that complete package, they have to be able to do those and constantly teach themselves. As an educator, we should be doing that all the time, leading by example and sharing those stories with our students. And that's something that I'm very passionate about personally, so to me this seems like a no-brainer, but then I wonder how often we actually do this. You know, what we know today is going to be obsolete tomorrow. I mean, think about just in a technology piece. And it wasn't that long ago that I remember saving work on a floppy disk. And then I remember when I was able to get a zip drive, which I'm not sure people remember that, but that was the greatest thing ever because it was a big disk that held so much more than a floppy disk. And it was amazing. And you could plug it in through a USB port, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Other than that, quickly became replaced by flash drives. And if you think about it today, just in the last couple of years, I don't even require flash drives in my classroom anymore because we share every, and save everything in the cloud. I mean, and that hasn't been that fast of an undertaking. I mean, that's a, we're talking just several years that this has all developed. Our education is the same thing. We have to teach them to be motivated to improve themselves. It's not really about the subject or the content. That's just our platform. But we need students to learn how to learn. And they need to know how they learn. Because that's what's going to be required of the future, is how adaptable are you in the job force or this industry 
that as things change, that you're able to change along with it, and maybe even think a step or two ahead. And the last one that I want to just touch upon under this, this topic of skills is being able to sift through all the information and basically letting them dissect the difference between what's real and what's not. And really, what do we do with all this information? Sometimes I think the mindset is so difficult for us as, as educators because when we grew up, you know, we had the index card or the card index at the library, the card, good old card catalog. And we had one encyclopedia set maybe in our house, and that was, you know, that was it. That was the truth. Today, there's so much information that we don't even know what to do with it all. And so now it becomes, then what do we do with it? How do we process? How do we synthesize and make sense of everything that's out there and figure out what's real and what's not? That is a skill on itself. And sometimes I think we assume that students know how to do this, and they really don't. And sometimes maybe we don't even as educators, and so we need to go back and figure that out so that we can teach that to our students. The last goal, the fourth goal that I have that we talked about in terms of reasons why we need to go global in the classroom is kind of summarizes the last three points, but this is our reality. This is our world, and schools should not be ignoring these important elements. Schools have to prepare students for this world. We don't know what the future is going to look like, but we have a pretty good idea of what skills are going to be necessary in order to survive in that market because we, we're seeing it right now. And so ask yourself if your classroom addresses those skills and these issues that I just went through. But if not, then we need to start making some changes. Our goal in education is to maintain the curiosity students are born with. And this is something that's really starting to become a pet peeve of mine. And in order to do this, teachers need passion, as I talked about in my last podcast. And learn about finding your passion and bringing it alive. We're all born with curiosity. Unfortunately, students are starting to lose that curiosity when they get to the upper levels of school, and we need to change that. How we educate our students is more essential of a question as opposed to the current debate of how much and trying to count hours instead of days and that whole debacle. What schools need to be thinking about is giving students a real-world audience. They should be learning for the sake of the public seeing and viewing their work and being proud of their digital footprint. They should not be concerned about an arbitrary letter grade that, to me personally, means nothing in terms of learning because it's so inflated and misconstrued anymore. And that's probably also another good topic to address in a, in a pod, future podcast. But they should be coming to school wanting to learn, knowing that this is going to get them ready for the real world. And they should be so passionate about their learning that the letter grades are irrelevant. You know, and students should be asked by parents, did you ask a great question at school today as opposed to how was your day? And it, it, it's a changing, it, it's a mindset that needs to be changed as a society. What worked for us and for our parents and the expectations of education are different than what our kids who are currently in the system have. And sometimes that's hard. It's hard for parents in the community to see that because it worked for them. isn't going to work for our kids. And that's not always easy to change. And we may not even be able to change their mindset, but we need to get that word out there and start to have those discussions so we can work together as a team 
to get our kids ready. So in conclusion, as we wrap things up here, I don't think schools are addressing these issues strong enough. I think we're caught up in standardized tests and how many hours kids should be in school. You know, I'm basically just trying to float above water and just try to look, you know, above normal. And as I've talked about many times on my blog, very good is no longer acceptable. You have to rise. We need to fight. And we need to get our schools back on the page, getting them ready, developing these skills ready for the real world. I'm not saying that schools aren't trying because we are working harder than ever. And I feel like every year we're working harder and harder and harder. But sometimes I still feel that schools are a bit behind. And I believe that teachers are ready to make this happen. Just connecting on Twitter and other places on the personal learning network, there are teachers that are just working so hard to get the kids ready for the real world. And it's so exciting. And so I really believe that it's a grassroots effort, that teachers are the ones that just need to take over, begin to teach with their passion, change their classrooms, and start to make this a reality for our kids. And if teachers start to do that, then we can connect with the community and start to show students what it's really all about. There's so much going on already, so many great things. We need to get more classrooms and kids involved, and we need to let them understand how crucial these skills are for students. That's why... Everything you do should be connected to the real world, bringing in businesses, connecting with classrooms from all over the world, sharing projects, sharing ideas, learning how to email, learning how to network, learning from one another, even as teachers, to see that how we do things in our one particular school may be great, but it's not the only way. And what else can we incorporate? You know, we, we're losing the interest of students at the upper grades. At the middle school where I work, I see... So many girls that are losing the interest into STEM and engineering and math. And there's so many more that are so capable of doing great things. And why is that? And why are kids not having more and more opportunities to explore these topics? You know, and what scares me is that I feel that the students are not getting ready for the, re for the real world. They're getting out in the job market and they're not getting jobs because they're not selling themselves. They just want to be told what to do. And companies don't want that. Companies want people that are thinking a step ahead, looking at things, trying to make life and the company and the business better. And we also need students to understand the consequences of their actions, understanding that failure is not a bad thing. It's just your first attempt in learning. And they must understand that education matters. And if they don't take the education seriously, then they need to understand in the real world there's so many other kids that see education as a way out to make life better that they're going to be replaced because the world's flat. And you're not applying for jobs just in your local area, but there's people from all over the world looking for your job. You know, we live in a society focused on celebrities and sports, and we need to slowly transform these thoughts bit by bit. And it starts with the schools appealing to students and making school look cool again. And when you look back at history, this is not a new issue. Sports have, have reigned supreme in every civilization as long as mankind's been around. If you look at every civilization that's pretty much fallen in the history of time, They've all left a major sports complex behind of some kind. So I'm not saying we give up sports, because I love sports, but we need to help society understand that we cannot be satisfied with where we are, or we're going to find ourselves falling behind. So before we wrap up, let's get to some listener questions. And the first one, or actually the two questions, they come from Brett Murray, and I hope I said that last name correctly. 
Um, I sent some things out on Twitter, and he was kind enough to send two questions. The first one was, how can I develop myself as an educator to bring exposure to my teaching practices for the real world or global classroom? That's actually an excellent question. And I guess my answer to that would be, just like our students' education, you know, this whole development as teachers is a journey. And education is a journey and not just a location. You know, it happens 24-7. And I think that in order for teachers to begin to help students connect to the real world and start to establish a global audience to their work, the teacher first needs to connect with educators from around the world. I like to connect it to project-based learning. And, you know, one of the things they always tell you after your project tuning and you have a project ready to go is that you need to actually do the project first to see where the headaches and mishaps and things could possibly be, not just waiting for the students to do it and then to try to figure it out along the way. So as teachers, as you develop yourself, you need to learn yourself before you bring it to the room. And I think that starts with your personal learning network, your PLN. And you just have to get out there. Um, some of you may be ready for a blog and writing, maybe not. But there are so many people, I would start with Twitter is the first one, and there are so many amazing educators, so many, and they're just sharing content all the time, and you know they're not asking for money. They want you to use it, and they want you to modify it and share it, connect, and, and talk about it. And you have Facebook that's starting to have some groups there, and there's so many excellent newsletters that teachers are running, and websites to follow, and blogs to follow. You know, there's. I would just create. A personal learning network where you're constantly adding more and more people. I would start by carving time out of your day to connect. So for me, I always spend 20 minutes with my first cup of coffee in the morning, reading through blogs, reading my, my Twitter, checking out certain hashtags, and then making sure that I'm set up to share as much. You don't want to be a lurker. If you want more people to connect with you, you have to share. So share, share, share. And in return, people will share back with you. And maybe I will connect about my personal learning network, how I've established it, how I've built it up, um, so you get an idea for that. But I think as a teacher, you need to start there yourself before you go directly to the classroom. And start to find those teachers that want to connect with you. Start to figure out the tools that people are using. There's so many. Um, and that's where I would start. I would start with yourself. Start with Twitter and maybe starting to follow some blogs. And if you need a list of names or people to recommend, please let me know. Leave a comment and I can put together a, a great starting point for that. The other question that Brett had was, how do you increase your audience to reach more people in a global classroom? And once again, this is going to be really addressed in an upcoming podcast where I talk about the how to bring in a real-world audience and how to get a global audience uh, and how I've been able to do that in my own classroom. But once again, it kind of goes back to the, my last answer in terms of creating a personal learning network. You need to get out and connect and, and reach with people. And I think, honestly, Twitter is the easiest one to do. I, I know I just said that, but I'll say it again. Um, and you can search by topic. You can search for specific people. You can start to join Twitter chats, and it's not going to happen overnight, but you'll gradually build up this network of people that you really connect with. Uh, you can join 
my network. It's the hashtag CoffeeChugPLN. We chat once a week as well as throughout the week. And we're working about basically empowering teachers to think about themselves, get them ready. I have a Twitter course for educators. It's a self-paced course that uses that same hashtag. So it's a group of teachers that are willing to help you as you work through that to establish a great starting point for your personal learning network. And I can add that to the show notes. You know, you, you got to put time into it. It's not homework, but it's part of your professional development. And the more that you invest and share and network, the greater the rewards are going to be. And an upcoming podcast, Brett, that'll probably actually, I will walk you through step-by-step how I've been able to do that. Um, And that may provide a lot more information to those questions. But two excellent questions that I'll definitely come back to in the next podcast on talking about the how. So the last couple things here, last few announcements. One, I'm still looking for a short little 10 to 15 second theme song idea for a podcast. So if you have any great ideas or a song or something that I can use that you think fits, please let me know. Um, I've got a couple ideas, but none just none really seem to really stick out at me right now. Second, if you're interested in connecting for a podcast, let me know. I'd always love to connect and chat and uh, go through some stuff and we'd ask questions and not really an interview, but just have a conversation. That would be a blast to do so it's not just me talking the whole time. Um, you can always connect on the Coffee Chug PLN hashtag on Twitter, this blog, or elsewhere. And if you have an idea about a podcast that you'd like me to talk about, maybe there's something I've blogged about or shared on Twitter that you want to hear more ex- extensively, also let me know. And you can send that through email or the hashtag or, the, or this blog. The third thing, all next week I'm going to be in Kansas City for a Leap Lego conference we're going to be working on developing some new ideas for lego so i'm really going to be challenging my comfort zone and learning opportunities because there are some masterminds and i would say geniuses i'll be working with so it's really going to uh humble my my thoughts on how i think i'm pretty good at lego Um, and i'm starting to think that maybe i'm not as great as what i thought So we'll see how that develops. So next week is going to be extremely busy flying and traveling and learning and all that good stuff. Uh, I would also love feedback and ratings for this podcast on iTunes. So if you could take a few minutes, if you enjoyed the show, or maybe if you didn't, you can leave that there as well uh, to let me know what you enjoyed about hearing and and leave a rating. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, I don't make any money off of it. But I would definitely like to get some ratings so that it moves up on the charts so it gets exposed to other people. And as always, the goal is just to, to connect and share with more and more people so that we can all benefit in the long run. And as always, if we ever cross paths, let's join up for coffee and talk. If you're ever in the Quad Cities, let me know. I love to connect you online, but face-to-face is always better. And for my next podcast, I'm going to be focusing on classroom climate, focusing on classroom designs. But this could possibly be bumped if something else jumps at me from the Leap Conference. And the following podcast will be back to this topic, but focusing on the how. How I get a real-world audience and how I go global within my classroom. If you have questions about this topic, leave me a message on Twitter. I'm at CoffeeChugBooks. Or you can always email me at aarmau at gmail.com. Well, that's it for this episode of Coffee Chug Cafe Podcast. It is now time for me to personally refill my coffee cup. And I would just like to remember 
do please rate my podcast if you can. Uh, and if you'd like to comment on this episode, go to my blog at coffeeforthebrain.blogspot.com. You can find the post, or you can look at the sidebar under the pages to find Coffee Chug Cafe Podcast and go to the show notes for this episode and scroll down to the comments section, and I'd love to hear from you. Comment, question, or whatever. And I'll leave you with the question to answer as we wrap up here. What is the right kind of education to prepare our students for the future? Until next time, remember my mantra, getting it done. Don't wait until tomorrow. Go get it done now. And all resources and links mentioned in the show will be in the show notes on my blog. Take care. Thank you for your time. And remember, live with your passion. And let's make a change for the better in our classrooms. Thank you.